0: Welcome to Beefsticks Podcast. And, folks, let me tell you, we are gentlemen here. So, before next week's wargasm, we're going to treat you to a little war play.
1: Just a little. Get you nice and stimulated for the events to come this
0: weekend. Yes. And we're hoping it's going to be a fun, fun war game. There's a good. A good lineup ahead of us, and we're going to get to that towards the end of the show, folks. So if you want to hear our predictions and our reactions to uh, the upcoming War Games 2020, stay tuned to the end of the show. We've got all that for you and more. And, uh, Pasty, it's been a very exciting, newsworthy week, at least right here towards the end of the week, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, yeah, I will definitely say so. Uh this week has done something for me and making me feel good and good to be and proud to be a wrestling fan after this Wednesday's dynamite, of course.
0: Very much so.
1: And then I look at the lineup they have on SmackDown tonight and laugh and laugh. <laughs> It's Kevin Owens and Otis taking on Roman Reigns and Jay Uso in the main event. Woo.
0: <laughs> but um I guess that should uh that should bring us into the top of the show. I guess we can get right into it, because that is kind of the big news of this week. You wanna start us off here, Pacey?
1: Yeah, I can do that course folks during this week's aew dynamite winter is coming the show ended with kenny omega defeating john moxley for the aew world heavyweight championship omega was assisted by impact wrestling executive don Callis. following his bout Callis announced that omega would be headed to impact this coming tuesday to discuss the title
0: win Yes, pasty, and some news has come out since then, at least some speculated news. According to Wrestling Inc., the relationship between Impact and AEW is not currently scheduled to be very intertwined. It's said that Omega's appearance on Impact will be a one-off and was largely done as a favor from Omega to Don Callis, who's a good friend of Kenny Omega's. Omega also requested that Don work as the commentator for his big title win over John Moxley.
1: I gotta say they booked that smart too, since uh, Don Callis was there the the previous week too, or no, it right. was at the pay per view uh, to watch the match between him and Hangman Page. But either way, like I think that was good because otherwise it didn't send dead, off red yeah, flags. It would have been a dead giveaway had he just been there for this show, right? Uh, Tony Khan apparently liked the idea and he signed off on it. Beyond Omega making a one-off appearance on Impact, it is also rumored that the Good Brothers will be coming to AEW for one match as well. Omega's appearance on Impact this Tuesday will likely be used to set up the brothers coming to AEW to take on a team that has not yet disclosed. (coughs) The Young Bucks. (laughs) I mean, what else would that be for? However, yeah, yeah, the Young Bucks. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. (laughs) (laughs) They're going for top flight. (laughs) <laughs> that would be awesome. It's just not time yet.
0: FTR would be cool, to be honest.
1: Hell yeah, it would. Although, if FTR and the Good Brothers teamed up, that'd be
0: better. Ooh, that would be. <laughs> well, furthermore, news Don Callis' contract with Impact Wrestling may be coming up next month, pasty. Once Callis is done with Impact, he could move to AEW full time to work as Omega's on screen manager and in a backstage capacity as well.
1: You know, I've never seen Don Callis much in wrestling, to my knowledge. Um, I mean, I have, but until now, he's never really been a management figure like on screen to me. Um, so I'm interested to see what that could be and if he can be on par with like a Paul Heyman.
0: Well, in the uh, Attitude Era of WWE, he he was the jackal. He, uh, he was the head of the Truth Commission with uh, Kurgan and... And all of them guys that sucked, and he did that for quite a while, and then he was then he was Cyrus the Virus on ECW TV, and ended up becoming the mouthpiece for the quote unquote the network. He was the kind of the villainous, um, man in charge. He was that he was that Vince McMahon or Eric Bischoff, you know, the authority figure.
1: Mm.
0: So he's done. Uh, he's done actually a. a a lot of that in his time as well as working backstage. So I think it would, it would be really good. I think it would work out well. He's, he's great on screen. He's great behind the desk and behind the mic, as we've seen in new Japan, as he commentated in new Japan's, um, American show that came out and also obviously in impact wrestling. Mm
1: -hmm. No, I like, I like what he did. I like, uh, exactly what they did. Like, like, Bit for bit, I think it was pretty perfect. The match itself wasn't what we were anticipating, but I think to get this over, that's that's fair. We'll have our good Omega Moxley match somewhere down the line, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah. I would
0: assume they have more than one match left Not yet. to say
1: that this was a bad match. There was so many fucking hard, high spots. They're not really high spots, but crazy spots. So many V-triggers.
0: Yeah. Oh, I th- I thought it was awesome that it took, like, was it four or five V-triggers and then a one-winged angel? I think it was four. It but was four. four. and one. Four Four V-triggers and a one-winged angel. So it, it didn't make Moxley, you know, it didn't make him look weak at all. No,
1: definitely not. I couldn't take four V-triggers and get back. <laughs> <laughs> No. I got to say, I like the spot where Mox brought the chairs in and had the gentlemen sit down. Just we're going to hit each other in the face for a little bit. Although they probably should have started the match that way. Or yeah, that's a I very, felt it was too close to the climax. It really, like, slowed the match down for a minute, and that, that felt weird.
0: Right. It's a very New Japan sort of thing to do, so I, I have a feeling Moxley kind of set that one up. But, yeah, I always enjoy when they do that. Just, just lay it in. Just lay it in. <laughs>
1: uh, that's not all that's great on Dynamite from this week, but we're going to talk about the rest a little bit more later.
0: Yes, of course we will, because right now, Pasty, we need to get into this week in pro wrestling history, and this is a really fun one. Pasty, it was December 5th, 1991. We saw the end of an era. and We're not talking about something like Pat Patterson passing away or The Undertaker retiring. No, this was when the Super Mario Brothers Super Show aired its final new episode. You see, in 1989, Nintendo capitalized on the success of its mega-hit video game by creating a TV show for Mario and Luigi. What resulted was 52 episodes of an odd-but-beloved-to-this-day series that blended live-action and animation. So what does this have to do with wrestling?
1: If you don't know, stop listening now. <laughs>
0: so,
1: of I'm course, kidding. Because, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> because the series starred pro wrestler, manager, and WWE Hall of Famer Captain Lou Albano as the titular hero. The program was always equipped with 80s-era guests such as Albano's (laughs) music video star Cindy Lauper, Nicole Eggert, Danica McKellar, Ernie Hudson of Ghostbusters fame, Elvira, Patrick Dempsey in one of his very first roles, Maurice LaMarche, Van White, Magic Johnson twice, and fellow WWE Hall of Famers G.I. Joe himself, Sergeant Slaughter, And the rowdy Scotsman, Roddy Piper. Sandwiched between these shorts were laugh track live action segments shot on fake stereotypical Brooklyn set that was an anime. In between that was an animated version of the Super Mario Brothers that also starred Albano as the pasta loving plumber. Never seen Mario eat pasta. (laughs) The theme song was an awful rap, but the jewel was the end credits which were accompanied by Captain Lou singing his own song and teaching us how to, quote, do the Mario. Basically think like the Toosie slide, but you Sweet only move your God arms and from take one step. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it was so fun. It's such a guilty pleasure. I mean, it's awful, but it's it fun. It was
1: so fun, and it still is so fun because it's on, like, <laughs> what is it, on Hulu or Netflix? It's on something. Yeah. I don't know. My kids have had a healthy diet of the Super Mario or the yeah, the Super Mario Super Show. And that just it makes me happy that they got to enjoy that as well.
0: Oh, that's awesome. It's just a little time capsule of of 80s nostalgia really.
1: Oh yeah. I actually 80s, went down 90. my own my own like old school nostalgia trip this week. I watched a big uh, defunct land has this big documentary series on the whole career of Jim Henson. So that's what I've been diving into a lot. Um, yeah. Like six hours of his entire life and career from the beginning of, of the puppets, uh, the, the puppet Sam that turned into Kermit all the way through to his funeral.
0: Yeah. If you guys want to see something fun of some uh, old school Kermit, Oh, I gotta try. I'm gonna have to try to look up and remember what the name is. But he was the uh, he was the the spokesman for a coffee company. Uh, was like his before Sesame Street or anything else. And um, basically, it was just Kermit. Just really maim- Wilkins Coffee. Look up Wilkins Coffee or, or Kermit Wilkins Coffee, and and just hit the compilation because. Kermit's sitting there stabbing this guy, shooting him with a gun, electrocuting (laughs) him, pushing him off walls, just just anything that he can do, throwing hot coffee on him, lighting him on fire. Kermit's just a dick. Oh, Kermit was a a dick even in the early days of Sesame Street.
1: Even in the early (laughs) days of Sesame Street, snapping off on Cookie Monster for acting like a child and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's great stuff.
0: It is good stuff. It's fun. Oh, Kermy! Oh, speaking it's of Kermy, so hard pasty. to believe
1: that Dark Crystal and and Labyrinth were two of his worst things he created, because they're so good. What do you mean by worst? <laughs> that's that's they were the lowest points in his career. Says who? Says says history. Those those things <laughs> did not do well till well later.
0: Oh yeah, they didn't they didn't make a lot of money, but that's because they were kids stuff that definitely was not aimed at kids right well that was was ahead of of its time his whole thing was he
1: wanted puppets to be more of a family and adult oriented thing than a children's thing that's why he was hesitant to do sesame street go watch the documentary series let's talk about some wrestling yes (laughs) time for us to snap into this week's savage sentinel it's gonna be fun WWE's executive producer and chief of global television distribution, Kevin Dunn, sold 30,000 shares of Class A common stock on Thursday, December 3rd, according to a United States Securities and Exchange Commission filing by WWE. The 30,000 shares were priced at approximately $44.79 each for a total of around $1,343,700. As we noted earlier this year, Dunn sold 33,000 shares of WWE stock on April 29th. That sale was worth around $1,500,180. He also sold another 21,809 shares on July 22nd for around $1,008,884. At the same time, WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon and other executives cashed in. This week's SEC filing notes Dunn still has 73,811 shares of WWE stock left. So be sure to be tuned in for more information on this riveting story.
0: It is interesting though, at least business-wise. It's interesting when you see this kind of stuff go down. it just makes you makes you wonder what they know that we don't know right or it could be anything um they it's might just, know
1: it's weird seeing as i've been hearing lots about uh triple h he's ran raw and smackdown the last like 3 weeks so yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what that means for up higher. I don't know what that means for Vince's health. I don't mean, know what that means for Pritchard's health. Right. But uh, yeah, I think I think some things are really changing.
0: <laughs> well, I know they said that the, the opening segment of this week's Raw, which or SmackDown. I don't know what it was. Well,
1: SmackDown aired like an hour ago, so not
0: whichever. Smackdown. Yeah, whichever one it was that Vince McMahon. Apparently it was his call to do. They did an interview with Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, I guess. Yeah, and, and then
1: Bliss jumped into Randy Orton's arms when Fiend came out.
0: Uh, apparently it was. Apparently that was all Vince's call, and he pushed really hard for it. And most people backstage felt it was a poor opening sk- skit and probably shouldn't even happen at all. And apparently Vince was adamant about doing it. Put it on there. So. <laughs> I they're don't gonna, know. They're gonna cuck the fiend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know what's. I don't know what's going on there, and pasty, I really don't know what's going on in the mind of indie wrestler John Washington. He wrestles under the name Owen Travers. He's been arrested by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. The 33-year-old is being accused of committing a sex crime against a juvenile. Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department currently has Washington under house arrest due to COVID-19 precautions. He's been charged with sexual assault against a child under the age of 16 and lewd acts committed by a person over 18 with a child. What a fucker.
1: What a fucker indeed. I'm glad I don't know who he is and I probably never will. Now,
0: I tell you what, I'm going to I'm right now I'm going to go uh, sell his action figure and get rid of it.
1: I tell you, Fat Mac, he's no James Ellsworth.
0: That's for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now I'm going to act like I did know all about him, because I'm going to say Travers had a tryout for a match for Ring of Honor, has been a jobber on WWE SmackDown in 2018, and wrestled against Johnny Swinger on Impact Wrestling in 2019. Is that another John Morrison?
0: No, that's Johnny (laughs) (laughs) Swinger. Although you never know. That's the one that goes to all the the sex parties. That's the John Morrison when he goes to the sex parties. He's Johnny Swinger. (laughs) Uh,
1: The arrest occurred on November 25th, and the Las Vegas Metro Police Department are looking for additional victims of Washington. If anyone has information on Washington's crimes there has been a victim of him, They're urged to contact the sexual assault section of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department at 702-828-3421.
0: Operators are standing by. Yes. Parents get your, or children get your parents' permission to call. Right. (laughs) Oh, pasty, that's uh. Unless your parents
1: sold you to Washington, then you don't need fucking
0: permission. Yeah, then you probably shouldn't talk to them about (laughs) it. (laughs) That is some really, really awful, shitty, horrible news. And we got some bad news coming up also, but I think we should get into some of the good news. Some of the best news. And probably the biggest thing that everyone is talking about in the pro wrestling world this week is the fact that Stinger is all elite Yes, Pacey, after the six-man tag on Dynamite Winter is Coming, a brawl broke out between Team Taz and the Nightmare family, and just as Hobbs went to hit Cody with the FTW Championship, the lights went out, and Sting made his way to the ring as Team Taz bailed. Like little bitches. Sizing up Arn, and then Cody, and then Dustin, Sting then made his way to Allen, who he hovered over as Woo Chance broke out. It was later announced that Sting has in fact signed a multi-year deal with AEW.
1: Yes, indeed, Fat Mac. Sting signed with the WWE in 2014, was but was no longer under contract with the company as of this May. WWE removed all of Sting's merchandise from WWE Shop this past October in dismay. <laughs> Also of note, pro wrestling tees owner Ryan Barkin noted on Instagram today that Sting's new AEW t-shirt set a new record for the most t-shirts sold in 24 hours. Skull and crossbones shirt. Who would have guessed, huh? (laughs) Right. Sting last wrestled in 2015 when he suffered a career-ending injury during a match with then-WWE World Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins at WWE Night of Champions. He was inducted to the WWE Hall of Fame the following year.
0: Well, you know, folks, I think AEW and Dynamite is a great place for Sting to finish up his career on his own terms. Because, if you know your history, Sting spent decades as one of the faces of wrestling on Turner Television while he was with NWA and WCW. Sting actually defeated Ric Flair in the final match to be shown on TNT for more than 18 years. Yes, indeed. Pace, you know, when you were reading that, it just blows my mind that Sting was actually with WWE for six years. It did not highlight like that. No,
1: six years and one
0: match. <laughs> no, it was two uh, matches, three, wasn't three it? matches. I think three
1: matches. I think it was two. It was just. Well, he had Triple the he had
0: the set, right? he had the WrestleMania match. He had the WrestleMania match, and then I think he had like a one-off nothing match with like a nobody, and then he had the Seth Rollins paralyzed him match. Yeah. It was one. It was two or three. It definitely wasn't uh, more than that. He didn't suffer
1: a career-ending injury. WWE just got their usage out of him, had their rights <laughs> to his merchandise, and said, "Hey, go home. <laughs> you never wanted to come here because you thought this was going to happen. Well, guess what's happening? <laughs> you called it, buddy. At least you're not Kurt Angle. Just wait till you see what we're going to do with him. <laughs> Fucking hate. Yeah." No, I'm really excited for this. Um, I think I think we could pause here and talk about this a little bit. Um, oh, for sure. You did note he went to Arn and then Cody, but it was Arn, then Dustin, then Cody, then because he went through like each era to get to Derby, uh-huh. which was symbolic and <laughs> important. But uh, his fucking theme song, man. I know I was talking about this before the show, but it's it's like constantly in my head now. And it's it's my theme song. He can't have it. It's mine. I'm going to file for rights to it. And... and then, <laughs> yes. But God, he looks good for a man 61 years old is what I heard today. I don't know if that's
0: true. Yep, He's yeah, he's 61.
1: <laughs> but he looks damn good. And I think... You know... You say he's probably not going to take a lot of bumps. I think he's got to have at least one match. I'm expecting him to do something with Jericho.
0: You know, I don't really know if he can, in all honesty. I mean, he he definitely he has an injured back. He's 61 years old. If he does anything, I think he's going to come in and swing the bat around a little bit. I don't think I can't see the man really taking bumps. I mean, and, you know, and if I was Sting, I most definitely would have wrote that into my contract. So many people have before, such as um, Taz. You look at Taz, you know, Taz is not going to yeah, take a bump. as
1: he's putting a Taz mission on Cody Rhodes last week.
0: Yeah, but he didn't <laughs> take a bump at all. He had to bump onto his ass? What? Well, I never said he can't sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just no. saying that, you know, I mean, he's... I, only time will tell, but... If he does do a match and he hasn't learned from his Seth Rollins match, he's dumb. I mean, he's just stupid if he has any matches. I don't care what they are. That's just he's he already knows he can't. His body couldn't handle it six years ago. Now it is. I mean, but he does have the he does have the advantage that he hasn't really been working for six years. So I'm mm-hmm. sure he's been keeping I mean, himself in back. shape and you know he hasn't really yeah he hasn't really been putting himself through a lot of bumps so that has to help but i i would be surprised if we seen him wrestle every week i would really well yeah, surprise I, don't, me. I don't
1: think it would be an every week thing i would think it would be in dire circumstances i just gotta think he's there for more than to just manage darby allen you know i mean if you're gonna do that you could do that with like a fucking one-year contract you know right you don't have to stick around for many years and make the point and retire
0: with it. I no, that's, but you can you can gets... come in swinging his bat around and doing his sting thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, just look at when he was when he was an in-ring competitor in WCW. He went a year without having a match as an in-ring competitor, as the top guy.
1: Well, then on you Dynamite, you do it. Jericho freaked out cuz the inner circle's not getting along and he said next week on Dynamite we're going to have a town hall and if this isn't going to work, I'm going to disband. And everybody's so... gone. Yeah. So I'm that's thinking it could also turn into, like, a you know, uh, NWO Wolfpack kind of situation there. And Sting coming in for that makes total sense, too.
0: Am I the only one, though, who will be more than happy if we don't see another town hall meeting for another year?
1: <laughs> well, we're going to see one next week.
0: <laughs> I know, but, like, that's that's good. We don't. We don't need to do one every every two weeks or every three weeks or no, so. No, definitely not. Definitely. I do like
1: the little hokey gimmicky things that they do though, and it's fun. Oh yeah, it's a it's a good watch, and and anytime you can entertain me without actual wrestling going on in the ring is 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 good because I've spent enough time watching WWE, <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is all just outside of the ring stuff and yeah. no wrestling. <laughs> and
1: then and then after all this. Triple H came out in a presser. He was asked by somebody whether he'd WWE would be open to working with other companies. And he said, Yeah, yeah, we're always open. <laughs> it's just how long and how lucrative a deal is it going to be for both parties? We're looking for yeah. something five, 10, <laughs> 15 years. That's the kind of thinking we have here. Yeah, that shows in your storylines.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fucking hey.
0: We're definitely That's looking funny. years out.
1: It's funny stuff. I'm really looking forward to seeing what NXT does with war games to kind of match up. Because like I said, main event on SmackDown is Kevin Owens and Otis taking on Roman and Jay. And that's that's not great. <laughs> it's not great. It's probably good, but
0: no. What's sad, though, is that's going to bring in a hell of a lot more eyes than Dynamite, which is still probably.
1: sad. Dynamite had almost a million viewers this week.
0: Yeah. So, time will tell. We're all, I just think that we're all excited to see Sting back there, and I'm just happy to see him, you know, just, I, I'm sure just he didn't want to. Yeah, I don't i don't think he wanted to end his career the way he did it in WWE. You know, like you said, if he could have one more match with somebody, I would prefer it be a young guy, like a, like a Darby Allin or something, you know, but I don't know, I don't think a young person is going to be able to,
1: Obviously he's got to be in the fourth he's got to be the fourth man in the match uh against Team Taz, right? It's Cody, Darby, Dustin and Sting. And maybe he won't have to be involved in the match that much. But I, I think know. he's got to be the fourth guy cuz now they is got a match. Yeah, I'm assuming that's what they've been building to for the past 5-6 weeks with so Team it's Taz Ricky, it's and Ricky Stark and,
0: and Brian Cage and Will or, Hobbs. Uh, and Will Hobbs, so who would be the fourth person on their team? Taz. Taz doesn't wrestle. He's not wrestling. They'll probably be like the corner men or something, probably. Taz's son? No, <laughs> he better not wrestle. Who is Sting's ultimate need.
1: foil in in, in in WCW that you could see joining Team Taz? Let's do a little fantasy booking for a moment here. Who's another person who could come back, though, would be like, holy shit, and it's not Hulk Hogan?
0: I mean, I guess you could do Ric Flair, but God, we don't need to see another Ric Flair wrestling. We already got a woo
1: on AEW. We don't need two. And that's another thing I thought, because I wasn't really big on WCW back in the day either. But how did Sting end up with the woo catchphrase, too? That's not kosher.
0: Well, Sting's catchphrase is woo. Ric Flair's is woo. Well, no, one's one's W-H-O-O.
1: No, it's not spelled that way. uh, They don't spell it that way on t-shirts. It's W-O-O-O.
0: No, not Rick Flair's. <laughs> and Sting's is W O O. Sting has the call where he puts his, where he covers his mouth up like yeah. a megaphone and does the, woo.
1: It's yeah. a lot shorter. There's a, there's a
0: difference. There's a difference. <laughs> One less. Oh. It's res- It's That's wrestling. <laughs> it's wrestling. There's a so, difference. So I'm gonna do People try. Wrestling. Just like the RKO is different than the Diamond Cutter, pasty. Don't you know that? I wonder if it is uh, what
1: because cause I think if I'm thinking back to to talking mania nature boys shit has four O's after it so maybe things has two O's I think you're Laird's right has I think she, three O's and nature yeah, Boy the length
0: has four. of the O <laughs> it's, it's the length <laughs> of the O is what it is you know. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you go from dating a girl named Lynn L Y N to a girl named Lynn L Y N N. You really got to be careful how you end it when you're talking to her, because if she thinks if she thinks you do it Lynn when Did it's supposed to be a Lynn, short? <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking of her, aren't you? <laughs> oh, this this is gonna be fun though. This is gonna be good and. Um, it's good for Sting for getting a payday, you know. That's and, and and in a company that's going to respect him. I mean, WWE we all knew from the beginning was never going to respect him. And I think Tony Khan definitely respects Sting. I think the difference is Tony Khan grew up on Sting, Vince McMahon, you know, was so already running him. a well, he was running <laughs> well, a wrestling yeah. company before Sting was even, you know, outside yeah. of um UWF in California, you know. So I mean, come on. Vince is just always going to be Vince.
1: Yeah. Uh, But it, it, Dynamite felt damn good. I haven't watched a, a non-pay-per-view, and I guess, you, you know, you could kind of call this a pay-per-view because it was a special, but I haven't watched a regular television wrestling show that made me feel as awesome as this one did in a very, very long time.
0: Oh, yeah. When this, when this episode ended... You, you felt like you had watched an event, Mm -hmm. you know, at least I, yeah, I did. I felt like I had watched an event and, and was, was giddy and excited and happy. And I don't know. It was good shit.
1: It was good shit.
0: Oh, there was other stuff
1: on dynamite too, but we're just going to hit the highlights and you guys can go watch and enjoy the rest for yourself. Yeah. That that battle royal was pretty fun for a battle royal. But it is what it is, and that storyline will be to say for next week, and I have a feeling we'll be talking about that. Will it be MJF or Orange Cassidy walking away with the Dynamite Diamond Ring?
0: Woo! Woo Woo-woo! I'm hoping for MJF, baby.
1: I think it has to be. He won last year. It only makes sense to give him two, right? I think so. He hasn't really had a championship, so... Ah, moving on, Maureen Tracy, who's not as interesting as Sting, who had been working for NWA as the director of operations, finished up with the company Tuesday. There's no word why Tracy has left the NWA, but she told one person on Twitter she is jobless now. Tracy previously worked for High Spots before signing with the NWA in December of 2018, her departure is seen as a significant loss to the NWA, which has been hit hard by the COVID nineteen pandemic this year.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of the gal, but I know after this happened, there were a ton of NWA wrestlers that went on Twitter to express that they're going to miss her and and how great she was. So it'll be interesting to see if something comes up about what it's happened kinda, here. Kind of
1: weird that she's leaving as they launched their new show this week,
0: right? Yeah, it's, um...
1: Unless they're doing some serious, significant changes all the way around.
0: Well, Pasty, we've had some significant changes in and out of the ring, and, uh, they hurt. Yeah. And that brings us into our injury report. And, Pasty, we're going to start this one off with a flashback to Matt Hardy and AEW, because (laughs) this week Jeff Hardy took a scary bump during the Symphony of Destruction match on Raw, after diving from the top turnbuckle to the outside with a swanton bomb, putting Elias through a table to pick up the pinfall victory. While well, the table was placed in a corner at ringside, it was very crowded, and it seemed like only Hardy's legs made contact with Elias on the table, while the back of his neck and skull brushed against the edge of the steps. Scary, scary stuff. According to Dave Meltzer, he initially heard... There was an expectation that Hardy suffered a concussion, but he was not diagnosed with one. However, it's still possible Hardy did suffer a concussion since many athletes don't show symptoms immediately after such scary bumps. And that's yeah. a scary one. Go look it up on uh, YouTube or online, folks, if you haven't seen it yet, because it's he like cringy. trying to
1: one-up Matt. That's definitely- <laughs> Vince is like, look, look what your brother did. He was the talk of the <laughs> town for three weeks. Right, <laughs> Aw, man, boss, didn't I do enough for you when I took that spot off the top of the Hell in a Cell with Randy Orton? No! No! Now get out there before I call Naya!
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want your head to make contact with the stairs. And make it look good. I want you to really hit it. I want it to sound like the gong and people think Undertaker's coming back.
1: You know, and that's really how you know WWE is just at this low point. Symphony of Destruction match. And that's not the first one we've had. I think they just did this between, like, Braun Strowman and somebody last year.
0: Oh, did they really? I've never even heard of it. Yeah, that was
1: a Braun Strowman-initiated match.
0: I read it, and I was just like, that's silly. That's silly.
1: It's it's, it's silly that they're still playing on the Who Ran Over Elias storyline that was fucking stupid in the first place. Are they? Yeah, this is what it's... I didn't...
0: It, yeah. I didn't know somebody ran over Elias.
1: Well, yeah, that's when Jeff Hardy was junk, drunk driving on the oh, show or whatever, and they were after right. his I life. I
0: forgot all about that. Yeah.
1: Yep, this is still that story.
0: I, I tried to block that out of my memory. This is the long-term
1: <laughs> booking Triple H was talking about this week. They're going to end in a
0: match where he hits them with a cello. Yeah. <laughs> All I know is I have seen a picture of Jeff Hardy with a cello. <laughs> that's, that's all I know about it and then I seen the clip. Uh, Although I like a cello.
1: Yeah. Jeff needs to get the fuck out of WWE. I don't think he's going to though. I think that's where he's going to I be. think
0: Jeff needs to just retire in general. I think his man, body's well, got to be worse than Sting's. Right? <laughs> between between Speaking all of the Jeff bumps, and Sting,
1: fuck. <laughs> talk about that match again
0: yeah <laughs> um can we
1: have a rematch of that in AEW? Whew.
0: you know besides all the bumps that jeff took all the drugs really wear on you also you know what i mean yeah you look at all these wrestlers who died early and a lot of them weren't using drugs for years but it's like it, it your body still it's it still hurt your body it still did wear and tear on your body
1: and am i, am am I the back? only one who finds irony in the fact that they're having Eli or Jeff Hardy, a real musician, in a storyline with Elias, a fake musician.
0: <laughs> it's maybe uh... that's maybe that's what it Maybe that's how this the silly symphony came about. <laughs> Jeff's like, "I'm a real musician. You're just a working musician." <laughs> I don't know why I turned him into Michael Hayes for a second. I have no <laughs> idea because because Michael Hayes brought Jeff Hardy in. This is how Jeff talks backstage he just puts on an accent for them northern folkers.
1: Yes, and then in case you didn't remember, Elias also recently released his second album, which you oh can listen God. on any streaming service. I haven't listened to it yet cuz the first one was really shitty. Hopefully
0: you can also feel free as to as musician. You can feel free to not listen to the album also on <laughs> any streaming service.
1: Just go listen to macho man's be a man album. That's what
0: <laughs> God, it's Listen, listen the to the pile best. driver. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, if those things aren't cringy enough, pasty. this next guy.
1: Yes, the transition you tried to bring into play over two minutes ago. Marty Gennetti right. posted the <laughs> following update on his Facebook page, noting that he has recently had reconstructive ankle surgery last week. His ankles now got double D's. Gennetti <laughs> said he's doing well after the procedure. He also noted he's using a wheelchair and a cane to get around until he's healed up. God, that's gotta be hard dragging yourself around the house in a wheelchair with a cane. Use that's the cane that's to rough. Drag yourself across. Don't you know you can? Use, he, the wheels are made big so your hands can roll them, Marty.
0: I think he like hooks the cane on on something and pulls himself forward.
1: <laughs> you know that this it's getting over it with Bennett Foddy. I don't know <laughs> if you you got kids. You may have seen that. I've never Street. heard of that. It's, it's a game where you're a guy and he's in a cauldron and he's got a hammer. And it's like a, fi- a really shitty physics game. Oh, I do know exactly what you're talking
0: about. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's awful. I, you know what the saddest part of this whole thing is? Is that it's Marty Jannetty, so I don't even know if I believe he's hurt. I don't even know if I believe he had surgery. <laughs> right. the man says says so many things and then takes them all back. Talks about dating the girl who he thinks is his daughter. Talking about murdering a guy. <laughs> that when the when shows up, he's like, "Wow, I killed him. I didn't really kill him. That was just, that was, I was just I was just a work. writing
1: some fan fiction
0: <laughs> about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who writes so, self fan fiction? Dude, you're not in an angle. You don't even wrestle anymore. It's it's not a real thing.
1: <laughs> angle? No, reconstructive surgery on my ankle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, this guy." For all we know, he, he never had it. He's just using it as an excuse to take scripts. <laughs> uh, uh, this oh, boy. Well, pasty, you know what? I heard that while he was in the uh, hospital getting surgery, he was just down the hall from our good friend Dwayne Gill. Ah, oh, legend. Legend. Dwayne, you know, I, Dwayne Gill does belong in the Hall of Fame. I don't he, care what he people does. say.
1: He really does.
0: But Dwayne Gill has been released from the ICU after suffering a heart attack. He is expected to go back home soon and to start transitioning into a woman. I mean, back to normal. (laughs) (laughs) Marty and him had been talking. (laughs) (laughs) Gill had multiple stints working as a WWE talent, with his first run coming between 91 and 94, where he served as the role of a jobber. In 1998, he was brought back at Survivor Series to face mankind in the first round of a tournament to crown the new WWE champion. And then, I think what most people remember him for the most, in the wake of Goldberg's popularity, WWE repackaged Dwayne Gill as Gilbert, a parody version of the WCW megastar who never won a match. (laughs) Although... He did end up getting a winning streak of sorts because during that time, Gilbert defeated Christian to capture the WWE light heavyweight championship. James Ellsworth has created a GoFundMe page. Him and James are uh, really good friends in real life. And he got a GoFundMe page for the former light heavyweight champion. The page was created to help pay for medical and living expenses. As of this recording, $1,029 has been raised of a $30,000 goal. So if you want to contribute to uh, Gilbert getting back on his feet, go ahead and hit up GoFundMe and look up Dwayne Gill.
1: Man, I know James Ellsworth and Gilbert already had their little getting together thing in the Indies since James left WWE, but I really want to see them lampoon the sting thing from AEW this week. (laughs) Where Ellsworth and a bunch of jobbers are in the ring and Gilbert comes down. Oh, that'd be fun.
0: That would be fun.
1: Uh, I'm glad to see James Elders is still doing shit in wrestling and for wrestlers. That's that makes me happy. He fucked up, but he didn't fuck up as much as a lot of people do.
0: That's true. That is true. And he's still out there living his life.
1: Yep. Yeah, I thought for sure we'd never hear of him again. Good oh, on you, st- Ellsworth.
0: We still see old uh, Enzo, so come on. If you can see him, you can see anybody, I guess.
1: God, they'd be a good tag team.
0: <laughs>
1: <sighs> I'm still wondering who's going to pick Enzo up. He plays around with so many different wrestling companies. you got to assume he's going to get signed soon.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I miss him. He was good. He was fun to watch. Shitty wrestler. Didn't know shit about his history. But I'm sure he's learned some in the years since we've actually seen him. So You would hope so. <laughs>
0: uh, well,
1: yes. Ronnie Massaro, the 39-year-old brother of the late Ashley Massaro, was fatally stabbed outside of a pizza shop in New York City on Saturday. It was noted that Ronnie was struggling to turn his life around like a pizza cutter and had been battling alcoholism following Ashley's suicide on May 16, 2019. Ronnie had checked out of a rehab facility in Riverhead, Long Island, just hours before he was murdered. It's Pizzagate.
0: I want to know where Marty Jannetty was November 21st. Right? <laughs>
1: Probably writing another fan fiction about himself. He
0: he rolled his fucking ankle running away from the pizza joint. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, in all seriousness, I I feel bad for the Massaro family. This has been a rough few years for them. Um, God, you would hope it can't get much worse.
1: Right. Well, how many are left?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right? I, I don't know. Yeah, how many are uh, left? There. It's a dwindling number, that's for sure.
1: I have this feeling it's tied to that rehab facility, though. He, did, he must have did or said something wrong.
0: It would, you know, it's very suspicious. Yeah, <laughs> it's very suspicious. Hours you after put, you're out oh, of well, the,
1: most most users will turn themselves into rehab when they're in debt to their dealer.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that makes sense. There's your story. We finished it out for you. We got it. That's real fan fiction, Janetti.
0: You could learn a thing or two. Well, pasty, there's somebody that all of us learned a thing or two from. Anybody who's watched wrestling in the past, gosh, 60 years, has at least been touched by this person in some form or the other. Hopefully he doesn't have to
1: file a report about it,
0: though. (laughs) Hopefully not, because, you know, the fact is, Pat Patterson has passed away at the age of 79 after a lengthy battle with cancer. A true trailblazer of the industry, folks, Patterson was linked to many firsts in sports entertainment throughout his storied career, including the first-ever Intercontinental title reign and the creation of the most fan-loved event in WWE history, the Royal Rumble match. In a career spanning six decades, this renaissance man left a mark on the industry in the ring, on the microphone and behind the scenes.
1: Oh yeah, let's do a Royal Rumble. It's like a battle royal, except everybody has to walk down.
0: <laughs> he sold it as a reverse battle royal. Instead of you starting with, you know, thirty people and then it comes down to, to two, you start with two and then people start coming in as they go. So uh-huh.
1: yeah. There's there's a better way to do a reverse Royal Rumble, and it's been done. Where they're outside the ring, you gotta throw them in. <laughs> Patterson began his career in 1958 in his native Canada before becoming a fixture in the Bay Area for nearly two decades. After winning the AWA Tag Team Championship with Ray Stevens in 1978, one of B-Stick's top underrated tag teams, Patterson moved on to WWE under the tutelage of the Grand Wizard. Ooh. Pat
0: made that, an that easy... ages well. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Ironically, he was black. <laughs> grand Wizard was an awesome manager, but yeah, that, that doesn't age well.
1: <laughs> even the even the Wizard and Wizard of Oz was a grand high wizard.
0: <laughs> he was high, all right.
1: <laughs> Pat made an immediate impact and became the first intercontinental champion in September 1979. In a definitely real tournament in Rio de Janeiro that definitely took place.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: <laughs> Patterson's most legendary WWE rivalry was undoubtedly his war with Sergeant Slaughter, which capped off with boot camp matches and a brutally bloody alley fight at Madison Square
0: Garden. Still a great match. I recommend anybody going back and watching that one if you want to see a gore fest. The
1: one in Rio? Oh, I know. One of my favorite matches of all time. <laughs> so shortly
0: before, puts, shortly before... shortly
1: the Pat- G1 tournament to
0: shame. To shame. Let me tell you. Shortly before old PP's in-ring retirement in 1984, Patterson joined Mr. McMahon as a color commentator, even though you could barely understand the man. It did not last long. But even after hanging up his boots, Patterson was far from finished reimagining the possibilities of sports entertainment industry. In fact, in 1988, Patterson brought one of the most ground-breaking ideas to life, as we mentioned, creating the original me, format. You created
1: me! I was born in 1988!
0: <laughs> wow! <laughs> I didn't know you were Pat's love child. That's <laughs> awesome. Mm. Tell, us, tell us about your memories with Patterson, Pasty. He, he came about uh, in uh, your era, huh?
1: Yes. Patterson returned to the ring during WWE's Attitude Era, creating many memorable moments alongside Gerald Briscoe as Mr. McMahon's hilarious stooges. Apparently McMahon forgot there was three of them originally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or was McMahon the third? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he would be, I suppose. God, that would have been awesome backstage segments where they do some slapstick.
0: That would be great. Whoop, whoop, whoop.
1: Patterson even pinned
0: Crash Holly
1: to claim the hardcore title. For all his efforts, Pat Patterson was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 1996 by Brett Fart.
0: In his over six decades in the wrestling business, Patterson was synonymous with making history. From the aforementioned Intercontinental title and the Royal Rumble match and beyond, his name will forever forever be revered by fans and historians alike. This amazing legacy was captured in Patterson's 2016 autobiography, Accepted, How the First Gay Superstar Changed WWE. And that is a moving chronicle about his life both inside and out of the ring.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to miss old Pat.
1: Yes, we are. He was a 24-7 champion, too. Don't forget that.
0: Oh, was he? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, he pinned... uh doesn't it, surprise it me. Our truth. No, it was <laughs> that
1: Mania or something. Um, maybe it was the Raw 5000 special or whatever the fuck. I don't know. One of those things where they brought in a bunch of old people and the, the title changed hands like five, six times that night. And he was one of them. <laughs> And then he sold the belt to, uh, to IRS. Oh, no, that's not, awesome. Not IRS million dollar man. Sorry. Oh yeah. Everybody has got a price.
0: <laughs> I don't remember him buying the 24 seven championship. Mm-hmm. That's all I remember of all of that. Yeah. just a huge influence in the world of pro wrestling and you know,
1: I feel so bad. He died earlier this week. and couldn't be higher in the news.
0: A lot happened this week, yeah. Yeah. For real. A lot happened. Uh. And a lot's gonna happen this weekend, pasty.
1: Yes! NXT TakeOver WarGames 2020! I I think it should be a good show. I'm hoping. It's gotta be after Dynamite, right? They gotta have some way to snap back.
0: We always hope so. They they, they got some uh, some good lineups here, to be honest. So... Hopefully it's at least, I mean, good. Doesn't have to be great, but hopefully it's good.
1: I'm hoping it's good.
0: We are starting this out, pasty, with uh, Timothy Thatcher versus Tommaso Champa. Yes. Not sure what the deal is going into this, but um... I got no
1: clue myself. But you know, it was a long time ago. We we had a big span where we didn't have Champa. Then Daddy came back home. I gotta go with Daddy. He needs a win. He needs to do something.
0: You know, I'm right there with you. I think uh, Tommaso Ciampa should get this one. So I'm going Ciampa. Why not?
1: Yeah, this will be a fun, fun match either way. It sucks that the only thing I'm really wanting to see out of Ciampa is a match with Gargano, though. That's that's what <laughs> that's what hurts me. Like I'm not done with that yet. Bring the bring that back, please.
0: <laughs> oh they've had some of the best matches
1: they really really have ah and the next and uh we definitely don't pay attention to what our competition's doing or has done it's a strap match seeing dexter loomis take on the cameron grimes
0: i'm i'm actually this could be the sleeper of the of the whole pay-per-view i'm excited so. for this
1: you know i have i I remember last time Grimes was in that ladder match, I I had put him out of my mind because I couldn't remember who he was. Then I saw him, I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. And Dexter Loomis, I haven't seen a lot of his work either. I've heard things. I I know he's a Dexter Morgan character, which I kind of don't like, but whatever. (laughs) I think this could be a good one. I'm looking forward to seeing what these guys bring out of each other.
0: Yeah, they're they're both great uh, individuals. They both kind of got their start in Impact Wrestling and moved their way over to NXT. In fact, Dexter Loomis got his Dexter gimmick in Impact Wrestling when he was uh, stalking Christy Hemi and was very perv mode on her. So um, I'd be happy with either, either one getting this, but with the strap match, I think I see the sadistic Dexter Loomis going over. Yes.
1: I'm going to go with Cameron Grimes against my better judgment. But I am.
0: He's a hell of an athlete. That's for damn sure.
1: He is. And isn't his character that he's like a, a moonshiner or something like that?
0: It It's something. It's way different than he was in Impact, but he's grimy. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Grimes, or grimy as he liked to be called. Oh, well, we got some more top-notch talent coming up next and a triple threat for the North American championship Leon Ruff defending the title against Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest
1: I am missing the part where Leon Ruff got the title in the first place
0: I you know what when I was writing when I was writing the um when I was writing this up for one note I looked at it and it said Leon Ruff champion and I was like, wait, no, that's not right. So I had to go back and look, and it's like, oh, he is the champion. So, so at some point, yeah, he's something beat
1: happened. Damian Priest. Yeah. Which is crazy to think. It's very crazy. Uh see I wanted to pick Priest, because I don't think Priest had enough run with the title. Um I I, I don't I I don't know. And then I started thinking about Gargano and how much I wanted to say gargle anus. So that's who I'm picking.
0: <laughs> what a thought process. <laughs> um, You know, this, to me, this is one of those anybody could win it things, especially, I mean, in a triple threat, uh, obviously anybody can win because there's so many shenanigans going on, but... I think if Leon Ruff, he must have just recently won it because neither one of us heard about it. I don't see the point of taking it off of him if he won it unless there was something going on with Damian Priest where he couldn't make some shows or something. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say Leon Ruff keeps it.
1: I think that's a fair thing to say. Like I said, I want to see Priest take it back. I want to see him have a decent run with it. Maybe he's moving up to the main title, but who knows?
0: (laughs) But uh,
1: also, Gargano needs a win, and if I'm going to give one to Chompa, I might as well give one to Gargano.
0: There you go. Nothing wrong with that.
1: Uh, Then we have the Men's War Games. Seeing the highly overused in this match, Undisputed Era, taking on the new kids in town, Cunt, the Kings of NXT. (laughs) It's Pat McAfee, Pete Dunn, Oni Larkin, and Danny Birch, and on paper that sounds like a hell of a fucking team.
0: You know, it's uh, brawlers against wrestlers, really. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. So it's it's really going to be interesting. You know, you say overused in this in this game, and War Games has been around for this is the fourth iteration in NXT, and Undisputed Era has been in all four of them. But I think back to the original war games that was always the four horsemen versus some sort of team. And it was usually some sort of team um with team captain Dusty Roads. So I mean I think the first six, eight war games were probably the four horsemen versus Dusty and other people here, you know, such as the yeah. uh, Road Warriors I know did and sometimes. So I just look at the undisputed era of the four horsemen of NXT, you know, without even trying to Bite the gimmick. I think this is the way you make a, you know, the next four horsemen. Is you don't, you don't book them as the next four horsemen. You just put these guys together and let them do their thing. Um, that being said, besides the fact that I just spooge all over Undisputed eric's I love them so much, they've lost the last two war games that they've been in. So I think they're due for a win. I'm going Undisputed Era.
1: Yeah. There's a little bit of a, at least this year, there's a little bit of a loophole in your logic. And if they're the Kings of War games, then why weren't they the ones initially in the match? You know, this started with Kings of NXT, Pat McAfee's guys, and they were in the match, and then Balor brought out the Undisputed Era as their challengers, which is kind of backwards in that scenario. Um, I think that's kind of why I'm a little bit, um unsure of this build up seeing as they're the ones coming in and and I don't know it's just technicalities in my mind but I think that shit pay, makes makes sense and and has a point um... I mean those
0: are words <laughs> yeah there's <just> a <laughs> <lot> of <them. laughs>
1: I I'm going to go with the kings of nxt just just because they're the new guys in town but not really and 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 I know Pete Dunne, Orny Loken, and Danny Burch can hold their own and Pat McAfee is pretty impressive on his own too, and I haven't seen him since his match with Adam Cole, so I'm looking forward to how much progress he's made.
0: Yeah, they're definitely the brawlers, so you can't sell them out. You can't sell them short on this war games. Yeah. And uh, the women's war games, we got Team Blackheart represented by Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai. Taking on Team Laray, Candace Leray, Tony Storm, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez.
1: I'm looking forward to this one more than the Men's War games, and probably more than anything else on the card.
0: This is a hell of a collection of talent.
1: It is a collection of talent. It's it's amazing. This is a great lineup. The sad thing is, is it's still super one sided towards team Black Farts. So I'm picking the Black Farts.
0: Uh, I agree with you. I think the Black all four of them, are just top-notch A one performers. I look at Team Lerae, and of course Candace Lerae and Tony Storm. I think you could put them up against anybody. Dakota you Kai. Think so,
1: but in NXT, <clears throat> Candace Lerae is a weak, weak link. Just saying. isn't that horrible? Yeah, yeah, isn't that horrible? And Kai. You know that's where I look at it. Like they're both yeah. weak links in their team. And it's...
0: so. Um, yeah I, I think it's and and they've definitely been pushing Blackheart I mean they so they much. have plans for her to be the all face those cinematic of, of women
1: I've seen all the cinematic build ups to this uh match where yeah. she's like working on her war machine in the garage and yeah, they're making her look awesome' so it I'm is hoping awesome. they're doing something with her and then yeah amber moon Rhea Ripley Shirai. how fuck can you go wrong?
0: you can't so yeah, I'm with you on there Blackhearts all the way. Um, so what do we want to do for a tiebreaker, Pasty? We haven't got one of those in.
1: I guess we can pick which War Games match is uneven due to pre-entrance. You know, somebody always gets fucked out of the match or something, usually. What? Last year, two of the women's competitors didn't even make it into the cage. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, is it going to be the men's match that has somebody that doesn't make it, or is it the women? Is that is that too loose
0: though? Yeah. What if What if all teams get all their people in there?
1: Uh, Well, then that's the two options. Uh, Does Does is there a disbalance in either of the matches? Yes or no? Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Um, It's worded awkward, but I I get what you're saying. (laughs) Um, What do you go? What do you got? Uh.
1: I came up with a stipulation you gotta pick it
0: all right I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no I'm gonna say both teams uh, all all entrances all entrance make their entrances and get into it I'm trying to think of a great way to word this I know exactly <laughs> right. what you're saying but it's just awkward to, to put it on paper I'm gonna say that yes it's uh, everybody's even and it, it ends up being four on four by the time
1: just have it say is there balance in the force?
0: Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so you got to go with no, then. All right. Woohoo. I think we're all ready for this weekend.
1: I think we are. And we hope you are too. Feeling a little hot and heavy after this light war play. Hold off, though. Let this be a slow build. And next Friday, we will all have an ultimate wargasm together. Uh, love, spread it like cancer. Hey, I remembered it this week, Fat Mac.
0: Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, Pat Patterson reminded you.
1: Yes. Yes. We told you guys last week, stop spreading cancer like cancer and spread love like cancer. And I hope we don't have to tell another one of these stories next week.
0: Hopefully not. Hopefully we're done with the cancer stories for a while. (laughs) For 2020 for sure.
1: Yeah. Can't we just get some more good old COVID deaths? I mean, Christ.
0: Right. We haven't had any COVID news for a little while.
1: Ah. Well, I said the first one, you got to say the ending one
0: time to snap out of it.